Gracious God, we give you thanks that in the beginning you spoke your word and brought forth life and order from the chaos. We give you thanks, O God, that when your people strayed from you, you continued to speak your word through the prophets, calling them back to your ways. And we give you thanks, O God, that you spoke your word most clearly and Jesus Christ, the word, become flesh. And God, we thank you because you continue to speak your word to us today through your written word. And we pray that your spirit might move in and among us in this morning, that we might hear a word from you. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Listen for a word from God. Then they, and they are the chief scribes and the teachers of the law, then they sent to Jesus some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are a sincere and you show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it lawful? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, Why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. Then he said to them, Whose image is this and whose title? And they answered, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Several years ago, a church very close to the border but very far away from the border had called us and said that they wanted their youth to come and spend some time in Mexico. This was a big step from them because even though they were just three miles from the border, they had not crossed the border into Mexico. And so the pastors were really excited because of this step for them as a church. Sometimes it's easier for churches that are 2,000 miles away to cross the border than churches that just are three miles away. And so as they were preparing about three weeks before they were to come, one of the pastors called and was a bit chagrined and said, Mark, I'm really sorry, but there's some problems. And I said, well, what's, what's, what's happening, Pastor? And, well, there are some parents who are really concerned about uh, sending their children into Mexico, and they don't want them to do anything illegal. And I said, oh, okay. And she says, would you mind coming and letting them interrogate you? I mean, let them talk to you. <laughs> and so I said, sure, I'd be glad to. And so I went, uh, drove the hour away to this church in Sierra Vista, and I sat down with the youth and their parents and the pastors, 
and I was sharing with them all the different ways that they could be involved in the life and ministry of the church. And I knew that, um, that they were concerned about immigration, and I, I knew that maybe that was kind of causing the, the tension in them, and I wasn't going to deal with that head on. I was talking to them the ways their youth could in, interact with the youth uh, of the church in Mexico, and all the diff- beautiful ways. And as I was speaking, I saw this one parent who was a colonel in the army sitting closer and closer up on her, the front of her seat. And I could see that she was very angry. And then all of a sudden, she just screamed out, Mark, what I want to know is do you support illegal immigration? What I want to know is do you support illegal immigration? Church, I don't want to say it that loudly to you, but do you support illegal immigration? Not too long after that, uh, a colleague of ours, Father Bob Carney, uh, a charismatic guy, and myself, a Presbyterian pastor, walked into the Red Barn to meet with the U.S. Border Patrol, Patrol agent in charge in Douglas. It was at a time where the number of people dying crossing the border had risen greatly. And we were concerned about that as people of faith. And it was a concern that went across uh, denominational lines. And we had gotten together to talk with the Border Patrol agent in charge about this concern that we had on the border. And so as we were gathering there, the question we asked was, uh, Mr. Adams, his name was Rowdy Adams, Mr. Adams, do you think that the policy that we're asking you to uphold in our name is a moral policy? Do you think the policy that we're asking you to uphold in our name is a moral policy? Questions. Questions, some to expose, some to seek knowledge, some just out of frustration, but they're questions. The scripture this morning, we have some folks who are kind of upset with Jesus. In fact, since chapter 3, the Herodians who show up in this uh, passage, the Herodians were out to figure out how to kill Jesus. So we know that the folks who are coming to Jesus are not really friendly toward Jesus. And in fact, it says, the scriptures say, that the Pharisees and some Herodians went to trap Jesus in what he was to say. We already know that by chapter 12, Jesus has turned his, his journey toward Jerusalem where he will face the cross. And the Pharisees and the Herodians come to trap him with a question. They start out with flattery, um, just kind of saying, hey, we know that you're such an upstanding rabbi and that you tell the truth, and you are without partiality. And then they ask the question, and this is where it's interesting because this is a question to trap him. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Now, Jesus knew their hypocrisy, they knew, Jesus knew they were trying to trap him. And so he does something that's a lot smarter than I often think about. He doesn't answer them <laughs> with a direct answer. 
he asks them, he says to them, why are you putting me to the test? He acknowledges what they're trying to do. You're trying to put me to the test. And then he says, bring me a denarius and let me see it. Now, a denarius um, was a, a silver coin uh, that was used in the Roman Empire. Uh, and it was, had to be used to pay the, the poll tax or the, the census tax for the people. Now, this tax was causing a lot of uh, concern among the people. Because the Romans had come in to Palestine and they had, uh, were controlling the area and part of their control was to exert taxes. And so there were some people who were like, uh, even like the Pharisees and the Herodians who kind of would pay the tax. They didn't exactly, they weren't too excited about the tax, but they paid it. And then you had other folks like the Zealots and they refused to pay the tax. And they even created a revolt uh, at, at one time because of the tax. And then you had most of the common people who didn't like the tax at all. So this was a controversial question that was up in the air. And so he asked the Pharisees and the Herodians who would pay the tax, even though the Pharisees didn't really like paying the tax. But he says, well, bring me a denarius. Well, they pull out from their pockets a denarius, which the common people wouldn't necessarily have in their pockets. And he says, whose image? is on this denarius. And so they look at it and they said it's Caesar's image. Well, and the, it was catching them in their own hypocrisy because there were lots of laws about bearing the image, images. And they had it in their pocket. But there was something even more profound there because when she asked or he asked whose image is on this coin, they said Caesar's. But in whose image is Caesar made? Whose image is Caesar made? God. So Jesus is setting up a sense of priorities here, a hierarchy of who's, who is who and what is whose. And so he answers them, Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and God the things that are God's. And they were truly amazed at him. So basically, if he would have said, yeah, pay taxes. Yeah, go pay taxes. Then a lot of the people who were upset with being under Roman oppression and thought it wasn't right to pay taxes would be upset. The, the common people. But if he said, no, it's not legal to pay taxes, then Rome would be all upset. Uh, but Jesus does something different. He reorders the thinking, not to think about that, just that specific question, but the ordering of our priorities. Give to Caesars what is Caesars, but to God what is God's. And what is God's? Everything. Everything is God's. And so as we think about this question, well, can we give to Caesar? If it lines up with God's priorities, yes. If it doesn't line up with God's priorities, who's who are we loyal to most? Caesar or God? Mark, what I want to know is, do you support illegal immigration? I wish I could say I was as astute as Jesus but I was afraid of the question. It took me off guard. The anger 
was one that I didn't know how to respond to, but I do believe that it was one of the instances where the Spirit worked in me in a way that I was not ready for, I wasn't expecting. And as she asked me that question, I sat back and I said, Colonel, I don't want to support illegal immigration. But I'm afraid I support illegal immigration every day. Every day that I eat an orange that was picked in the United States, I'm supporting illegal immigration. Any time that I travel and stay in a, in a hotel where there's folks uh, who are uh, providing hospitality and cleaning their rooms from other countries, I'm probably supporting illegal immigration. And any time that if I were to play golf, I'm probably supporting immigration, illegal immigration. And if I eat meat that's been packed in the United States, I am supporting illegal immigration. And if I go into a building that's been constructed in the last 20 years, I am supporting illegal immigration. Colonel, do you support illegal immigration? The priorities came to my mind then because I realized that the thing that I didn't want to do was the thing that I was doing all the time. It turned out that I had to look at my own self and my own participation in a broken system, in a system in which Caesar has set up a system where there's rich and there's poor, there's folks who have access and folks who don't have access. There's some of us who can benefit from the labor of others even while they can't even benefit of the reality of being able to be in this country without fear of being deported. Caesar and God are at work in our lives and the question becomes how do we participate in this broken system and where do our loyalties lie with the system of Caesar or the system that God desires for us? A system that divides ourselves from one another or a system that brings us together at a common table where our loyalties lie. Rowdy Adams, the patrol agent in charge, said it most perfectly when he answered the question, is the, is the system, the policy that we're asking you to uphold, is it a moral policy? And he said to us, you have God's law and you have man's law. And sometimes they come into conflict with one another. And for y'all, there's no higher authority than God's law. But for me, I'm sworn to uphold the U.S. Constitution. When he said, he said there's no higher law. And when he saw the three of us, our response to that, he thought the the, the, the priest was going to get out the holy water, the charismatic was to start speaking in tongues, and I was going to get out the prayer book. He said, no, 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 I believe there's a God. But I'm sworn to uphold the U.S. Constitution. You've got man's law, and you've got God's law. And the question becomes, where are our priorities in that? Do we continue to support a system of illegal immigration through our purchases, through our lack of raising up our voices to change a broken system? Or do we work toward a day where sisters and brothers can gather around this table, not as people who are divided by borders or divided by laws, 
but those who are brought together in God's love. I give thanks to God for the vision of folks like Alonso's father, Don Arnulfo. Don Arnulfo now is 95 years old. He was 75 years old when he was one of the 26 founders of Cafe Justo. And he was part of a system that was a legal system. A legal system that allowed for farmers to, to earn um, $160 for a 100 sack of coffee one year and $30 for a sack of coffee and the same work the next year. A system that didn't allow for farmers to, to eat the fruit of their labors equally throughout their lifetime. And yet he had a vision to align himself and his community and us as people on this side gave us an invitation to align with the values of God that allow us to be in right relationship with one another. Because God's desire for us is not to have to ask one another, is it illegal? Do you support illegal immigration? Are you illegal? It's to be able to say, you are a child of God, beloved by God. Come to the table. God's desire is for us to be able to come together as God's community and live in harmony with one another. And, and people like Don Nufo has given us a way in which we can enter a portion of that. And I'm grateful for the ways in which Shannon has done that together with them. Living on the U.S.-Mexico border, there are a lot of hard questions. Living in Colombia, there are a lot of hard questions. And the ways in which we answer those questions is how do we prioritize the love of God and the love of neighbor as we seek to live into the answers to those hard questions? May God give us courage to live into the answers that God desires for us. Amen.